curious mother. We aim to create a space that encourages active discussion without judgment. I am Melissa Millers, psychologist and mother of two. I am Kristen Daly, psychologist and mother of three. Follow us on Instagram at The Curious Mother. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to The Curious Mother. I'm Kristen Daly. I'm Melissa Miller. And Melissa, what have you been curious about lately? I've been curious about a new book that's getting a lot of chatter about it. Uh, Yeah, a lot of chatter because it happens to be a little bit about conversations, right? That's right. So one of our favorite people in the world is author and uh, middle school expert, Michelle Eichard, and we are very grateful to be able to be joined today by her to be able to talk a little bit about um, her new book. So welcome, Michelle. Hi, thank you for having me. Michelle, tell me a little bit and tell our curious mothers a little bit about how you got so interested in middle schoolers, because that's become like your area of expertise. I really did do a deep dive, didn't I, into middle school, and it's so funny because it's like going back to visit the haunted house that you hated. <laughs> I think that's why I love it. I, I, there's a lot of drama around it. For me, I hated middle school. And it was a little bit uh, raw and scarring for me for mm-hmm. a long time after middle school. And so I, I wanted to, with some distance and perspective, think about why that was. Um, I started doing this work when my kids were two and four. So I certainly wasn't in that world any longer, no, but, um, but I was at the time tutoring kids who were in middle school. Mm. And so they were bringing stories to me that were really familiar about, um, not knowing where to eat lunch and having friendships that they really value just dissolve and wondering what that meant about them. And I was tutoring them and academically, but found that what they really needed was social and emotional support in Mm -hmm. order to be able to do well academically. So I really shifted my focus to how can we help kids at this age have a little bit of perspective, develop some tools, some coping skills around what's happening so that they could have a better experience than I did. Yeah, yeah. And you've really blown that up into you have a middle school leadership program, uh, Athena's Path and Hero's Pursuit. Uh, you have been a member of the Today Show parenting team and uh, written articles through in the Washington Post, Chicago Tribune, CNN. I mean, you've really turned that into something like a tiny, you know, the, that interaction has now turned into something that when I think middle schooler, I think of you. Hey! Right. <laughs> and how fabulous that you saw the need because... And during the middle school years or in mm-hmm. the middle school years myself, oh my gosh, as a parent, it's terrifying. Because like you said, we all remember how bad it was. Even if it was good, it mm-hmm. was bad. <laughs> I know, I know. And Michelle, I think I think you and I had very similar haircuts in yes. middle school. <laughs> and maybe similar glasses, yes. too. Um, and I, I feel like the girls with glasses, we did not have good... Glasses are cool now. Very cool I say to you as we both wear very cool glasses. Exactly. But back then, glasses were like you were a target. It was Mm -hmm. bad. Yeah. And so your first book, Middle School Makeover, is one of my favorite books to recommend to people. It is. It's like the Bible. It is the Bible. Ah, Thank you. (laughs) And I was really excited when you were coming up with your second book uh, because I think that it really takes almost like it takes everything you taught in middle school makeover and converts it into a conversation between parents and kids. And 
I think that that is probably the thing that people that really need. Like, how do I structure this engagement with my kids? So, Thank you for that. So what's the name of the book? Yes. So the book is called 14 Talks by Age 14, and it's the essential conversations you need to have with your kid before they start high school. And it's, you're probably thinking, oh, good, how to tell them not to drink or have sex early or whatever. Those things pop up, but I really took a step back. I mean, it took me probably the longest amount of time in writing this to identify topics because mm-hmm. I didn't want to choose a topic that um, was a micro topic of a larger idea that I felt needed to be addressed. So you'll mm-hmm. find those things in the book, but mm-hmm. there's not a chapter called drinking. It's peppered through areas like how to take care of yourself or mm-hmm. having um, you know relationships with other people and peer pressure and things like that. So the, the themes of the book are really kind of broad life uh, skills and philosophies that you want your kid to develop before they mature fully. Yeah. Why did it feel so critical to have these conversations before high school? Why 14 as the age? So 14 um, is around a freshman in high school, depending on the kid, but, but pretty generally speaking. And it's also the age, as it turns out for boys in particular, that is the most dangerous year of a boy's life. So mm-hmm. my thought is that 14 is really like the new 18. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing kids engage in really risky behavior at that age or just before that age. And so it's a good idea to start having these conversations, which are not one and done, which yeah. are multiple mini conversations that you have on these topics as early as 9 or 10. Mm-hmm. And by 14, you've created a really strong foundation there. And when your kid goes off to high school... And they begin to experience a lot more independence, a lot more freedom. They can get in the car and they can leave you. (laughs) They can do, as you well know now, Mm -hmm. um, they can do all of these things. You've already established that you're a safe person to come and talk to about these things. So they know that they can when they need to. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I really liked about the way you've structured the book is really the first part of the book is how do parents even have these conversations? And I think that that can seem pretty basic, but one of the things that I see pretty regularly is how, where do I even begin? And it is something that is very tough for parents. It, it, we care, it's almost like we care so much yes, that it and, gets in the way. And I, I, let, I tend to think of it as parents care so much, as you said, they think so much is at stake, they think this is a capital B big topic, So I don't want my kid to roll their eyes or storm off or not engage with me. I better jump in the deep end quickly Mm -hmm. and like get to it. Mm -hmm. And that scares kids off. Mm -hmm. So um, what I advise parents to do in the book is to begin peacefully and just peacefully can mean sort of coming at it from a side angle, Mm -hmm. not just hitting the nail on the head right off the bat. Hey, you know, you shouldn't uh, vape and let me tell you why. Mm -hmm. But it's more of a uh, beginning with some curiosity, not beginning with any assumptions, engaging your kid on a topic. Hey, I read this in the news. What are your thoughts on it? And just starting by sort of tiptoeing towards the subject instead of like barreling down Mm -hmm. on it. Mm -hmm. I hear all the time just how scary it is for parents to start opening the door. And I'm not, you know, I think a lot of us grew up with parents who maybe didn't have these conversations (laughs) or they didn't have them well. (laughs) And so it's not been modeled for us. So Mm -hmm. I really, my heart really goes out to parents who desperately want to have these conversations, but they just don't know how. And I think that's most parents. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I talked to a lot of parents before writing the book and said, what's the hardest part of this? And they said, getting started, because my kid just 
they bristle yeah, when I try mm-hmm. to talk to them about these kinds of subjects. So the book gives you entry points that are really easy so that you can begin to, as I said, tiptoe towards the subjects. And then once your kid has earned your, you've earned your kid's trust and they see that it's safe to talk to you about stuff, they really do start to open up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the things that I sometimes will see is when we have that kind of baggage from middle school or wherever in our childhood, often when we move into parenting, one of the things that we're thinking about is I'm going to nail this. Like I'm going to do a really good job and I'm going to be the parent I wished I had had. Yes. And I find that sometimes that can really actually interfere with parents understanding what their kids are going through because we almost develop this internal script of, I'm doing a really good job. I'm giving them all the things I didn't have. Why Why are they still struggling or why won't they connect with me? <laughs> it's so true. And we forget that our kid isn't us. <laughs> and that um, what your child needs is for you to listen mm-hmm. more than for you to give your opinion and your instruction on things. Um, I often compare it to... What if your friend came to you and said that they were having a problem with a friendship or, you know, something like that? Uh, Would you say, would you call that other friend (laughs) and say, you know, Melissa's having a really tough time with you and I just wanted to make it easier for her by calling you and letting you know so you guys can fix this? Of course you wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Um, Your child at this age needs to figure out how to do stuff like that on their own. And the more you as a parent think you have the solution the more your kid is going to pull back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of our urge to protect them from the hurts of middle school yes. actually keeps them from developing, right? That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Kids, it's a rough and bumpy time, but kids need to experience it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that you actually developed the characteristics that parents can use, like an, an acronym mm-hmm. for how they can try to structure these conversations. Yeah. Uh, do you mind sharing sure. a little bit about your acronym? So the process that I recommend is called BRIEF, and um, each of the letters stands for a step in the conversation. So B, I already said, it's begin peacefully, and that can be like scheduling a time to talk so your kid doesn't feel ambushed or asking a curious question or just talking about it from a real distance before you get to the point. So if your kid wants to go to the mall alone, you don't begin with a safety lecture. You might be like, oh, yeah, it's so fun to go to the mall. Did you see they're putting in a new whatever in the food court? Start very gently. Mm -hmm. So B, begin peacefully. And then the R in brief is to relate. So Mm -hmm. you guys know as therapists, that's what you have to do is Mm -hmm. is you've got to get people to sort of put their guard down. um, And that's where you just say things like, oh, yeah, going to the mall is really fun. Let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. Right. You show them that you're a human and you understand how they feel. Um, Eyes interview for data. And this is, let's say you're talking about, um, well, let's keep up the mall theme. Mm -hmm. Um, This is where you get to ask questions. So you don't, when your kid says, I want to go to the mall alone, start with, well, why? Why don't you want a parent to be there? What are you going to do that you don't want me to see? Right? (laughs) That's a real great Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) The interviewing for data part is where you ask questions, but I want you to pretend that you are... Like a really neutral DA who has nothing riding on the case. You don't have anything involved here. You're just kind of establishing some sort of basic lines of inquiry. So what what do you think you'll do with them all? Who will you be going with? You're not making judgments. You're just asking the questions that you want to know. Um, you can do this safely at this point because you've related already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. E is echo what you hear. Again, you guys are pros at doing this. Uh, the lay person who's listening has either worked with a therapist or seen it on TV, but this is where you do this stuff. Like, okay, it sounds like what you're really interested in 
interested in is having some time with your friends where you can make your own choices or whatever. Mm -hmm. Echo back what you hear. It's important because so often kids and parents get into arguments because of a miscommunication. The parent makes an assumption, the kid already has something else in mind, and they clash. Mm -hmm. This is where you get to make sure you're on the same page. And F in brief is feedback. So this is where most parents start the conversation. <laughs> Let me tell you right now, if you're going to go to the mall, here's what I want you to know. You are not going to do X, Y, and Z. You are not going to be able to go outside of the mall. You know, they start listing all of these things. Save feedback for the end to make sure you've gently worked your way in. You're mm -hmm. talking about the same thing. And from there, once your child is sort of primed and ready to hear, then you can give them feedback, suggestions, expectations, things like that. Yeah, and, and I will say that even though Melissa and I are very well trained in therapeutic communication, I don't know about you, Melissa, but that does not always <laughs> even come close to translating in my parental communication. That's right. That's right. <laughs> my, my child is the expert drawbridge closer. <laughs> I mean, I'm in that uh, just yesterday, my my middle schooler is new to social media, and we're starting with the Instagram, the the, the Instagram that is based on a theme so that she can kind of dip her toe in the water. And the theme is our dogs. And she had taken a cute picture of her with one of the dogs and was asking me if she could post it in her public dog-focused Instagram account. And I totally blew it. Like, I just, I immediately went into a lecture about all of the uh, child pornographers who were going to user information to track her down and I, as you're discussing the like you know begin and and relate and um <laughs> I just went straight for feedback and not only was it feedback I mean now that like I'm sitting here going I went right to the crazy place <laughs> that's Poor the problem thing. your mind of course does you're like that's why we have these rules don't you see but they don't mm -hmm. see and so you mm -hmm. have to start at the really most basic level of you know huh okay tell me why it's like painstaking <laughs> but you know yeah. it's so good though to be able to have um a good reference to go to to help remind us of what we need to be doing and also that we can talk about it I mean this feels like a great book club book for moms right mm. to be able to like really discuss and encourage each other together because it will go wrong and that mm -hmm. doesn't mean it doesn't work it just means we have to keep be patient and keep keep making progress and keep trying and and be resilient. Mm -hmm. I love two things about what you just said. One is book club because <laughs> uh, my publisher is creating a book club discussion guide. So nice. um, if you do end up being interested in the book and getting it, make sure you get the book club guide because um, I, I agree um, with what you said that it's really nice to talk about this stuff and feel like you're not alone yes. and you can support each other. And the second thing you said that I love is that it will go wrong. Mm -hmm. um, it, you're Despite this model, which I've <laughs> created, your kid is sometimes just not going to engage and they're going to storm off and you're not a failure when that happens. You just have to say, oh, well, and mm -hmm. try again later. And and the reason the acronym spells out brief is because these are not meant to be hour-long lectures. This is a way for you and your kid to begin the practice of having really good conversations back and forth so you can come up with strategies together mm -hmm. to solve problems and to approach the new things that are coming down the road. So you just keep trying, mm -hmm. you know, swing and a miss. Okay, try again later. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I'm thinking back through um, a conversation we had had after seeing the movie Eighth Grade. Yes. And kind of talking about how at this stage, parents need to be like Labrador Retrievers. 
if, if it goes bad and they storm off and they're hateful, you just show up the next time with a smile and yes. again. <laughs> and like, you have to be so forgiving and so loving and just keep going back to the drawing board. That's right. And it, it does work out for you eventually. Eventually they come back and, you know, it may take a few bumpy years, but then, and this is very frustrating, your kid will not remember how badly they behave <laughs> towards you, but they will remember that you were always open. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that is so key because mm-hmm. they they will have that sense of how you interact with them. And I think that it's hard because the older our kids get, the more it's relational and we can get wounded too, right? Yeah. You know, when my two-year-old would like bite me or something, I wouldn't be wounded by right. it. But when I hear you're the worst mom ever by my preteen, I, I, all I think is, oh gosh, what if I am the worst mom ever? And it, and it can relationally wound you. So I think it's important to have that sense of they need us to kind of keep coming back and keep viewing them in a positive light because they're still trying to figure all this stuff out, right? And I think it's fair to say to your kid, that hurt me. Um, you don't have to fake that you are perpetually pleased with your child. <laughs> right. yeah. it's, it's that you are enthusiastic, as you said, about mm-hmm. them, who mm-hmm. they are as a person. You delight in that. And I think one of the best pieces of um, parenting advice I ever read was from Toni Morrison, who said, when my kid walks in the room, I don't think about um, criticizing what they're wearing or Mm -hmm. the mess they just made. I want my very first interaction with them to be delight. Yeah. Like, I want them to see that I'm so pleased to see them as they've shown up today. But you can also say, that hurt my feelings. I'm really mad. I need some time right now. I need to cool off. We both need to take a break. All of those things are fair as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are in relation, and they do need to know if they've hurt someone, right? I mean, that's a good relational experience for them as well. Yeah. One of the chapters you had that really had a ton of takeaways for me, and I I think it's probably watching my oldest, who's now 16, having gone through a dating relationship, but then also watching my younger two, who are 10 and 12, trying to figure out relationships. Uh, Your chapter on kids' relationships and how they grow and change was really eye-opening for me because it's... I really like the way that you approach the material. Um, One of the things that you point out, and and I'm not going to do it right, so I'd love for you to describe it. You talk about the infrequency of close relationships lasting through middle school and how it's difficult to find that bestie all the time. Right. Can you talk a little bit about that that imagery you used? So this is something I can deeply relate to and that parents talk to me about all the time, and it's the sort of heartache and agony of um, your kid hasn't found their best friend soulmate, and they're in middle school or about to go to middle school, and they feel like everyone else has. Why does everybody else have a best friend and I don't? The reason this becomes so important to kids at this age is that they're starting to developmentally separate from their families. Their job at this age is to figure out who they are independent of their parents. It's the very first step in independence. That leaves them feeling sort of cosmically lonely in a way that they have not before and that they don't realize. They're not understanding this intellectually. But they're starting to feel like I need to find my tribe outside of my parents and my siblings So it's very important that I connect with someone. The media does a really great job of reinforcing this. So all YA literature and movies show the kid and the sidekick, you know, the the main character and the sidekick, and they're endlessly loyal and quirky and fun and all of these things. So kids overvalue 
a really good friend at this age. Uh, what happens is, because kids are changing so much developmentally in early adolescence, I describe it as they're like cogs in a machine, and so often the pieces of the gears are bumping against each other, and they're kind of, sparks are flying, and they're not interlocking and moving in a really synchronous way. Um, occasionally that happens. It, 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 there's a statistic that always sort of blows kids' minds, but 1% of friendships that are formed in middle school last into high school. Whoa. 1%. Whoa. Right? Through, through high school. Well, yeah. to like senior year. Most kids are figuring out who they are. They are doing what I call bellying up to the buffet mm-hmm. and trying on different clothes, different attitudes, different music, different interests, and different friends. That's part of figuring out who you are. And so it's a very bumpy time of life when you might be friends with someone really passionately (laughs) for one year and the next year, no, Mm -hmm. it it breaks off. Um, But it's painful for kids. They think it says something about who they are that they can't connect. Mm -hmm. And it's just so common and, and kids can't lift their heads up and they don't have enough life experience to see that everyone is doing this gear dance and bumping off of other people and not fitting. Mm-hmm. So um, it helps us parents, I think, to keep that perspective and to talk to our kids about the normalization of changing friendships. Yeah. But it happens all the time. I feel like this is a really important message for parents to hear because what I see a lot of in kind of older friends and in, in school is parents fighting hard to keep friend groups together yes yes either it's their friends or they are like but i like this friend group they're the Mm -hmm. good kids i want i they're forcing it yeah Mm -hmm. or they think there's value in history yes Yes. which there is but you cannot i mean relationships don't last that's a normal thing about relationships right i mean some of them do when you're older and you're an adult and you're fully formed but you you don't marry the guy you dated in eighth grade. Like, it's not... It, people have this feeling Unless that, you're from small-town Iowa, which yeah. I am. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it works out. There are some listeners listening who did that, yeah. and I have friends who did that, and yeah. it does work out sometimes. Yes. But it is not the norm. That's it your is, the 1%. Yeah. Right. You won the lottery. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Great. Well, and it's, it's interesting because I moved right after middle school to a new town. And so I always assumed that I had to start over radically with my friend group, obviously because we had this change in geographical location. And I always felt very envious that people probably got to like keep these longer, deeper relationships. And reading that, I realized that, of course, you should. I mean, you change so much who you are. Yes. It would almost be stunting to kind of be close to everybody you were close to when you were little. It's so interesting because we moved a lot growing up, mm-hmm. and I always have wanted to be in one place so my kids could have the opportunity mm-hmm. to have you know, the same group, it didn't really occur to me that this is like a normal process, that yes. we all change and... Who we are at the age of five when we're in kindergarten does not predict who we're going to be or what we like when we're 14. Mm -hmm. So I think the language that parents need to start to embrace is that you want your child to treat other kids with dignity, Mm -hmm. but you do not have to be friends in the sense of like, let's hang out or go to the mall together Mm -hmm. with the same people you were in elementary school when you're in middle school or when you're in high school. As long as you are treating that person with dignity 
then it's okay for things to sort of ebb and flow. And the less parents get involved, the more likely it is there will be ebb and flow. That those mm-hmm. kids who pulled apart for a year or two will then find each other again and say, hey, remember when we used to hang out when we were little? That's so funny. Mm-hmm. And then they might do something together for a little while and it naturally just sort of goes in and out together and apart. Maybe they land on a final together. Maybe they land on a final to- apart. But it's very graceful mm-hmm. if you let it happen on its own. The more you as a parent try to orchestrate that, make sure that they stay together, the more a kid will resist because it doesn't feel natural. Yeah, and one of the examples you really walk through was that situation that I'm sure Melissa and I find ourselves in a good bit, which is we decided to stay put for raising our families, and we have friends who have similar age children. And so there's this expectation of you need to get along with so-and-so because I love their parents. Right. And yep. we all you know, travel together as families. And um, I really like how you gave space for the parent to try to understand where their child was coming from in the relationship. Right. So I think we tend to say like, oh, this is going to be really awkward. Can't you just suck it up and like Mm -hmm. still be friends with this kid because we always do barbecues with them or we have family game night or we go to the beach. It's going to be so hard on me if you don't make this friendship (laughs) work. And that's Mm -hmm. not fair to the kid. Mm -hmm. They need space to figure out who they are. And you can maintain adult friendships without your children being involved. So if Mm -hmm. you love those other parents... Go have dinner with them at a restaurant without your kids, right? Mm -hmm. Figure out a place to go have drinks together, no kids involved. If you give your kids space, they may come back and say, I've had enough, I'm cooled off now, Mm -hmm. I feel okay, why don't we all get together at the pool? Mm -hmm. Um, And if they don't, then you can't force them to be friends with someone. Now you can, again, require that they treat people with dignity. And so there may be times when you say, look, we're, we're all getting together Um, We don't do it very often, but it's important that we have this family event and we celebrate it together. So you're going to be respectful. It's Mm -hmm. three hours. Let's do it. Um, But not all the time. You can't manufacture that kind of um, friendship or it's just not genuine. What words of wisdom would you give to moms then who, I get it, them saying, okay, I, I understand this is about you and your development and your friendships, but how do I handle this with my friend? Mm-hmm. What, what words of wisdom would you have for the mom? I think what, um, in a perfect world, <laughs> a parent could say to another parent, um, Katie is, is really just, she needs some time to herself lately. I don't know, she's, she just wants to spend some time on her own, and I have to respect that. So why don't we just schedule a time kid-free? I would mm-hmm. love to still see you. Your friendship is so important to me. Let's go out. Um, and ho- and my, in, in this perfect world scenario, the other parent goes, of course, totally understand. Kids are crazy. Who needs them anyway? Let's go home now. <laughs> right? Um, you can't get involved in that kid drama. Yeah. yeah. What happens if that other mom calls and says, hey, Katie says that your daughter doesn't want to hang out with her very much anymore? Then I think you could say, you know, she does seem to want more time alone these days. Yeah. Yeah. There is nothing wrong with that. And I hope every mom can kind of have the respect that if we need to say, this is our kid's business and maybe we should let them handle it. Right. I don't know. Let's not get involved. Let's you and me stay close. I hope there can be that mutual respect. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's something that isn't broadcast enough out there to parents. I feel like parents could get on board with this if they knew it was an option. Yes. But they just don't seem to. They think, well, I'm being a bad parent if I'm not protecting my kid, sticking up for them, paving the path, all of this stuff. And Mm -hmm. 
your child needs to feel all their feels, you know? Mm -hmm. And sometimes that feeling that your kid needs to feel is a little bit of guilt, mm -hmm. is a little bit of discomfort, mm -hmm. right? That's how they get their, their internal barometer mm -hmm. to recognize, ooh, this is, I don't like this feeling. I should treat this person better. Mm -hmm. Or I feel lonely now. I guess I've cut off a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I should. So what you can do as a parent is help process that. You may be able to, through these, this brief, get to the feedback point where you can say, so it sounds like you're kind of missing out on some friendships that you mm -hmm. used to have. What can you do about that? Mm -hmm. But again, if you try to manipulate the situation, get involved and make things, uh, patch things over, it just doesn't work. I've had the opposite situation where one of my middle schooler has seen that sometimes her friends get to spend more time with each other because the parents are friends yes. and has really tried to push, like, why aren't you and dad becoming friends with their parents? Like, I, I want that more of that together time. And we've tried to stay open, but I've also tried to talk to her about the fact that I have a good friend group and that, you know, I know at some point they will be able, and I always support them hanging out and spending time together. It's just, I'm not also going to try to shift my social world to match hers. That's right. Know? Of course, she thinks, every, you know, at that age, she yes. thinks that everything revolves right around them mm -hmm. and that there's a spotlight shining just on them. So that's handled perfectly. Mm -hmm. And you really do talk about uh, how essential it is that we create space for them to make those decisions. We try really hard to hold back the impulse to dive in and fix, right? That's right. It's not about fixing. It's about being a really good listener and helping them process and learn. Um, I think identifying emotions is really key. I think kids this age don't often have the vocabulary to say, this is what I'm feeling. They are just sort of impulsive, upset, angry, don't know why, sad, don't know why. And so helping them dig a little deeper and learn the vocabulary to name what they feel is the best thing that you can do right now. Mm -hmm. um, you can give them, if they're willing, you have to ask. You can give them some coping skills for mm -hmm. that. You know, Would you like to know what I think might help or would you like to talk about what you think would help right now? That's mm -hmm. really valuable. But fixing, first of all, you can't. You can't make two people like each other who don't or, you know, right. that's just, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. It's an impossibility. Yeah. I think we need to take the pressure off of parents. And imagine, imagine if they actually discovered that they're really into poetry and they find their poetic group and that's like their place and their yeah. people. If we're manufacturing who we think they should be friends with, right. we're like keeping them from really living authentically and happily. Mm -hmm. Right. And like I said this earlier, that they won't remember the way they treated you yes. so badly. They'll just remember that you were open. If you don't get involved in the friendship roller coaster and you let it take its course. Years later, I've seen this happen many times, they're older, they're in high school. As I said, they'll come back together. They yeah. don't remember all the bumps either. Mm -hmm. They're just like, ha ha ha, we were in the same basketball league in seventh grade, remember that? And, yeah. and they're very happy to reconnect if there wasn't a lot of um, poking and prodding. It's having my oldest now be a sophomore in high school, it's been interesting to see how much that has happened. Like for for one, he is night and day a different person than he was when he was 10. Right. And developmentally, emotionally, and he has done a little bit of that like reaching back. Um, he had a, a reunion recently at the mall with a with his preschool friends because, oh. you know, luckily with social media, they can find each other. And it was really sweet and cute. It was, you know, we used to, to play together on the playground, but I do think that 
having seen that now I know I can, you know, I can trust that there's so much that's going to happen. And I think that I had always chalked that up to, again, relocation and not that you just grow and develop. And can you imagine trying to say to seventh grade him or sixth grade him, we're organizing a play date for you and your preschool friends because I want you guys to really value (laughs) the friendship and the longevity you had. It would not have gone well. No. Yeah. Mm -mm. It's it's like as parents, we have to trust the process Mm -hmm. and learn to be a good travel partner instead of leading the way. I love that. That's really good. Yep. Yeah, and you, so that is one of now 14 different conversations. Do you? That's one. So there's a lot in the book. <laughs> Tell me, uh, yeah, give our, our listeners a little bit of a good, like, bird's eye view of what are some of the other areas that you felt were essential to go into. So there's a chapter on taking care of yourself. And that is, I think, the meatiest chapter because it it starts with deodorant. Yes. (laughs) And it goes all the way through to talking to your kid about things like self-harm and Mm -hmm. suicide. Mm -hmm. And so it is the just, it seems impossible to make that leap, but it's really just about helping your kid think about ways to take care of their body and their brain and their heart. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a chapter on independence and so kids this age are yearning for more of it parents don't know what's right or reasonable and it's about finding common ground there with direction on what I think is reasonable Mm -hmm. and uh, for this age group let's see there's one on sexuality Mm -hmm. sex and sexuality there's one on money kids Mm -hmm. this age are just starting to get a grasp of finances there's a lot of comparison why don't we have this? Why do they have that? Why do those kids over there not spend their money on this? Um, they're starting to get babysitting money. Some of them are really impulsive. Some of them are not. So mm-hmm. talking about that. So it really goes into a wide range of 14 different topics. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so refreshing because I feel like a lot of times we just hear the same old kind of talk points, but it's really nice to think really broadly in terms of the whole individual developing. I'm mm-hmm. so glad. Yeah. Yeah, and in in your, I know you have a chapter on tech, and what I liked in your tech chapter was you talked about the idea that households get to decide just how tech savvy they want to be. It's, you know, it's like you want to have this, like these forays into understanding what's out there, and you still get to set up your own values too. You do, and how do you have conversations with your kids about your family values regarding tech and also individual values and respect that what you think about technology may be different than what your child who was born right into it thinks about it. Um, So there's a lot to navigate there and I don't get super specific into don't allow your child to download this app because I think that's pointless. Mm -hmm. It's uh, what we don't do enough when it comes to thinking about technology is pull back and say, what do I want my relationship to be with Mm -hmm. technology? Mm-hmm. So it's more about that, figuring that piece out and talking to your child about that. And so when does the book come out? February 23rd. Okay. So this morning as I was leaving for this podcast, uh, my daughter, who knows you and loves you, said, oh, when do I get to read Michelle's book? She's 12. <laughs> what would you say? So she could read it, but she would be bored out of her gourd. It's written <laughs> for parents. There's nothing in there that a child shouldn't read. Um, but... It's just not a fun read for a 12-year-old, I would imagine. What I'm very excited about is that I'm creating an online course for parents and kids to take together. So it's one module a month. You subscribe for a year. You get one module delivered to you a month that is a 
about a 30-minute program that you do with your child, and it is really designed to be fun. It's got like quizzes that you do together and little games that you play and prompts for conversations that will bring you closer, and it's a jumping-off point on each of these topics that you can have, you know, you carry it through for the rest of the month and the rest of your life, I hope. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's a way for kids like your daughter to really experience the content and to get you guys practicing all the stuff that's in the book. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. So cool. And you said, so there is a separate edition for book clubs or I want to make sure. It's the same edition, but there's a book club guide. Book club that's guide. Okay. So uh -huh. the best thing to do really is go to my website, which is my name, Michelle Eichard, I-C-A-R-D.com. Um, and Michelle with two L's. So if you go to my website or to any of my social media, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, then you can drill down and find the book. You can find the book club guide. Michelle, we just we love being able to have you as a resource, and we are really grateful for your time today. And I personally look forward to hopefully hosting some book clubs on the book because I <laughs> think it's, it's great. Thank you. I love being here too. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Curious Mother. Please join our community and add your voice. Follow us on Instagram at The Curious Mother. Thanks for listening.